In Matthew 24, he says, uh, You shall not see me henceforth till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, and, and, um, and he gave Israel up. He wept over Jerusalem and says, If you would have known this thy day, the things that were prepared for you, but now they're hidden from your sight and from your eyes. And because they rejected their Messiah, they paid a great price. And though the Jews have had horrible time within these 2,000 years, there is still yet a worse time. The worst time is yet to come for the Jews, as we know through the Antichrist. But in Ezekiel 37, the vision of dry bones, um, God speaks to her about Israel in the end times. And in the first 14 verses, he speaks about a two-fold restoration, the national restoration and the regenerational spiritual restoration. Now we know that God has brought many Jews into the land in 1948. He made them a nation. But there's a lot of lies that go on and misinformation about Israel from the secular perspective as well as from the, so the church's perspective. Um, if you look at the... Um, at the history of those who have occupied that land, you have the first big lie is that the land really belongs to the Palestinians. And in fact, let me just give you a brief history of the order uh, of, uh, of history of the people who have occupied the land. In 1450 B.C., you had the Egyptian Empire occupying it. In 1340 B.C., you had the Hittite Empire in 1050 B.C., you had the Israeli Empire. In 721 B.C., you had the Assyrian Empire. In 600 B.C., you had the Babylonian Empire. In 550 B.C., you had the Macedonian Empire. In 44 B.C., you have the Roman Empire. In 565 A.D., you have the Byzantine Empire. In 600 A.D., you have the Susanian Empire. In 750 A.D., the rise of the caliphate and by the way they're ready to put a new caliphate all the way all through europe down to egypt okay it's coming 1100 a.d you have the seliku empire 1140 a.d the crusaders empire 1287 a.d the saladin empire 1279 a.d the mongolian empire 1700 a.d the Ottoman Empire, 1912 A.D., the European colonialism, 1920 A.D., <clears throat> the nations of the borders, those of Israel, Jordan, Iraq, Iran, etc., were never established till 1922. In 1948 A.D., you have the state of Israel founded. In 1949, you have the era of the independence. Did you hear any any? Any Palestinian empire? It's a figment of CNN and the educators. It's never existed at all. In fact, the land was given to Abraham, as you know, back in Genesis chapter 17, verse 7 through 8. And God gave it to him. The land is called Canaan 46 times in the book of Genesis. And God made his covenant promise to Isaac, not to Ishmael. It was through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The land was promised to his people. They were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. God put them in there by design to multiply them and to bring them out and bring them into the promised land. In fact, God said that he couldn't give it to them until the abomination of the Amorites was fully come. Now, as you know... Abraham had children 
due to Keturah, all of them were sent away to the country to the east, Arabia, to ensure that Isaac would be on, the only heir of the land of promise in Genesis 25:46. Now, from the biblical perspective and the historical facts, neither Ishmael nor any other of Keturah's children can make any claim to the heirship, let alone the land, as the original descendants and inhabitants of the promised land. In fact, this tells us that the descendants of Ishmael are not even 100% Ishmaelites of their bloodline. You have Jewish and you have Egyptian completely. So how you get a Palestinian from a Jew and an Egyptian not unless you're a magician. It just won't work. And then in AD 32, the Romans having decimated Jerusalem. And then, of course, the ultimate in 70 there, the temple. But then in 32, in the ultimate rebellion, they rebuilt the Roman emperor Hadrian there, the pagan city dedicated to Jupiter because the Jews kept rebelling. And in 135, they got fed up, desecrated the land, salted it, and they renamed it once again, Provincia Syria Palestinia, an insult to the Jews after their enemies, the Philistines. And that's where you get the word Palestinian from the Philistines. It was given in 135 by the Romans against the Jews to insult them. Messed them up, killed them, sold them, left a few in the land. All individuals, whoever called themselves Palestinians from 135 on, were only the Jews who were left in the land. Not the Arabs. Not anybody else. So the educators as well as uh, CNN have their history a little bit messed up. The Zionist movement, as you know, was a result of Herzl in 1887, who felt that the Jews, if they had any hope of survival, they needed a physical homeland. And the Jews began to be brought back by the work of God. As he could see many pogroms against the Jews already in Europe, Persecution coming, everything else, and many of them began to move towards Israel. Again, Ezekiel 37, the valley of dry bones. Can these bones live again? God would bring them back. Now, if someone does not believe in the God of the Bible and in the Bible as God's inspired word, they have to explain to me how there's even one Jew alive. After the measure and the intensity of persecution for 2,000 years. From every nation they have gone to. They have been persecuted. They have been robbed. And they have been chased down. It's kind of a double whammy because Jesus says they would suffer because of the rejection of him. But at the same time, God... When people go overboard and beyond what God intends, God turns around and gets them. You remember Babylon. Babylon went further than they should have. And God says, 
I'm going to get Babylon. You take every country. You take Spain under Franco. What happened to Spain? You take Germany. You take Britain. Because the British, the British mandate in 1948, when they handed it over back to the Jews, the British already made uh, leagues with the Arabs and equipped the Arabs to fight against the Jews the minute they moved out. They betrayed the Jew. What's happened to England? They're surrounded all by their enemies, the Muslims. They're all British citizens. They all came home. And so if you look at history and you see God's faithfulness to his people, he's holy, he's just and true. There's consequence for rejecting them. But God doesn't bless the evil works of man. They don't escape their own personal accountability. God doesn't make them do the evil. He just knows the evil that will be done. And because God's all-knowing, he can declare something before it happens. So when it happens, we know it's God. But we know that the personal evil is never by the decrees of God. The events will be decrees of God, but the individual exercise of that evil, the person is held accountable. And every person will be given account on, on the white throne judgment for what they've done if they're not born again. Now, if God decreed them to do the evil and made them do the evil, then how could God judge them in the white throne judgment? He would be unjust. He would be unholy. And so we don't understand all things, but if we understand the character of God and we understand what the scriptures declare, then we see God's hand. It's just break the word apart. History, his story. <laughs> but we shouldn't have the um, Greek deterministic mind that, that God has decreed all this and it's going to happen no matter what. Events will happen, the first, the second coming, the rapture, the Antichrist, the temple, all of that, Armageddon. But the individual personal evil, that is not done by God forcing people to do. Get that out of your mind. That's a complete contradiction to the attributes of God. And so we have been the generation to see Israel come back to the land. A miracle. There's no other way you can describe it. And yet the threats against Israel are real. And yet the safest place in the world right now is Israel. Because God has his hand upon her. She is the apple of God's eye. Nothing will happen to Israel until the Antichrist comes. When he comes... Then Israel will give up her sovereignty to the Antichrist. Until then, she's okay. They will make a one-way covenant in Daniel 9.27. He will break that covenant in the middle. After building the temple, declaring himself God. Israel will flee to the wilderness, Revelation 12. She will, we believe, hidden in Petra, over in Jordan. And after three and a half years, then God will return. So God still has a future dealing with Israel. Now, here's another kicker. The majority of the church today believes in replacement theology. Replacement theology is a big word for teaching that God is through with Israel altogether and that the church now is spiritual Israel. So the passages of Israel, the promises, they're all to the church. 
Where do you get that? There's nowhere in Scripture where to deal with that. She is the wife that's been put away by divorce. And God will deal with her once again during the tribulation period. The church is a virgin bride looking for a wedding. There's a big difference between a wife who has been married, divorced, put away, and a virgin bride who's looking for a wedding, looking to a honeymoon. If you don't know the difference, go talk to your mama, okay? But there's a big difference. Don't confuse them, okay? And yet, the majority of the church, I would say without exaggeration, that probably 99.8 or 9% of the church and Christian universities and seminaries teach replacement theology. And if you believe in replacement theology, probably you're also Calvinist. Though there are exceptions of that. But they usually go hand in hand. And so we must look to the word. What does the word say about Israel? Paul cries out in Romans 9, 10 and 11. Lest the Gentiles would boast against Israel. And he says, listen, I I could wish myself a curse for Israel's salvation. I love Israel. They're my brethren. But he understood that blindness in part had happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentile comes in in Romans 11. Until the full number of people to be saved, Jew and Gentile, the bride of Christ, and Christ removes the church. And then God will deal with Israel once again. And she will have to go through the worst period of her entire history. The Antichrist will make Hitler look like a Boy Scout. Jesus said, the time will be so horrible that has never been or ever will be a time like that. And as we look at man's history of the wars that we've had, the atrocities, they're pretty gruesome. Jesus says, there's none like this one that's coming. It would be better to die than to live in those days, he said. And so it's important that we as Christians communicate the right message of Jesus about Israel. That he still loves Israel. He has a day and a time for Israel. He's not through with Israel. We have been grafted in. We're the wild olive branch, Romans says. And we should not boast against the root. Because if he did not spare her, then we have to be careful lest he cut us off. Exalting ourselves above her. And he makes it very, very clear. So we understand how God is dealing with her right now. Preparing her. In fact, we could rightly say that the tribulation and great tribulation is simply to prepare Israel for her Messiah. Even as Jesus said, you shall not see me henceforth till you say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. They will look upon him whom they have pierced. They will weep as the only begotten son. Like Rachel for her son. And so we see God's miraculous hand in the world. As it moves forward towards the culmination. When you saw the picture there in um, Mount Carmel. And you saw that big plain. That's the plain of, of Armageddon. That's where all the armies of the world will be. The major armies in wars of the world have been fought there. It's a huge 
plain. The Bible says the, bride, the blood will flow bridle deep to the horse's mouth. That's staggering. That's unbelievable. And the armies of the world will be gathered there. Thoroughly attempting to stop Jesus from setting up the kingdom. That is so silly. Oh, well, man, we'll repent. No, it's when they know the wrath of God's coming upon them, the book of Revelation says they call on the mountains to fall upon them. Men love darkness rather than light. Men don't love God. Men are the enemies of God and women. Fallen. It is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's through the gospel that we're made aware of our fallenness, of our, our hostility towards God and the judgment we're under. But then because he loves us, he demonstrates that he's made a way for us to be forgiven. For us to call upon him and repent and ask him to forgive us and make us his children. That's the good news of grace. Unmerited, undeserved by the grace of God. But because he is a holy God, he must be just in his judgment. He can't just wink at sin. And because he is holy, he had to make the payment in such a way where he didn't violate his holiness. So he made his son to be literal sin for me who knew no sin that I might be made the righteousness of God in him. And he took my sin, put it upon him, struck him dead and judged him for my sin. And a real payment was made. There was a real separation. My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? And he descended to the lowest parts of hell. He ascended up on high leading captive. And he rose from the dead. Conquering death. And that's the good news of the gospel. That Jesus loves us so much that he died for us. That none would perish. Well knowing that not all will repent. Not all want to go to heaven. Not all want to be one with God. So I don't know where you are tonight. <clears throat> but if you don't know Jesus Christ. He's brought you here to hear the gospel. And to let you know that he loves you. He has a plan for your life. As you turn to him. That he give you a new heart. A heart of flesh. As he gives you his spirit. That you're able to live the life according to the pleasing God. Never perfect. Never sinless. But completely different than from before. You will be able to walk with God. And have the peace that surpasses all understanding. Because we are redeemed. Not by silver or gold or works of our fathers. But by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. There is no other way for man to be one with God. The only name. The only way. The only mediator. It's a very narrow and straight way. But it is available to sinners. I presume you qualify. Father, thank you for your time and your goodness. We pray for tonight, Lord, your hand be upon us. And thank you for just reviewing this film and just uh, reflecting on your word about your land, your people, Lord. And your goodness towards us. As you're praying, if you are here tonight, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then we would offer the gospel to you as we're supposed to. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. How will they hear without a preacher? If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, the Bible says you shall be saved. It's not what I say, it's what the Bible says. The Bible says that if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God 
who died in your place and rose from the dead, paid that price for you, then you can call upon him. Right now where you sit or maybe over the internet, if you see yourself as a sinner under God's wrath and God is there to meet you as you call upon him and confess your sins, then he will save you right now. This is your prayer repentance to him if you want to be born again. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Fill me with your spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.